Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management LLC, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome down to lunch. You've no doubt noticed the massive amount of construction that's been going on in New Orleans for the past few years. If you've driven west on the I-10, you've seen the same building boom in and around Baton Rouge. You might also have noticed that some of these big commercial projects have something in common. For example, the Ace Hotel, Moxie by Marriott Hotel in downtown New Orleans, Trader Joe's in Metairie, the Commerce Building Renovation in downtown Baton Rouge. All these projects and many more have a one-word sign out in front that says Palmazano. Palmazano is a construction company named for its founder, Warren Palmazano Sr. Warren started the company in 1950 after he got back from World War II, principally building houses. Today, Warren's grandson, Wes Palmazano, is running the business and has kicked things into high gear. Wes, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Like Palmazano, another sign you see all around New Orleans is also a family name. It's PJ's. The chain of 65 coffee shops is named after its founder, Phyllis Jordan. Phyllis sold PJ's in 2002, but since then has been anything but idle. Among other pursuits, Phyllis guided the Green Project for close to a decade, and she's thrown herself into radio and classical music. Phyllis is chair of the executive council of WWNO and runs the Symphony Book Fair, a vital revenue stream for the Louisiana Philharmonic. She's also the Philharmonic's volunteer marketing manager. Phyllis Jordan, you're a legend, and it's a pleasure to welcome you out to lunch. Thank you for having me. This is, this is going to be great. Now, Phyllis, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that you... You founded more than just a coffee shop with PJs. You created a New Orleans institution. A lot of people who sell a name brand successful business like PJs move on to another business. Uh, you chose not to go into a traditional business role, but you haven't exactly retired. When you sold PJs, did you have a plan for your business future, or did opportunities like the Green Project and the Louisiana Philharmonic present themselves after you sold the company? I had some opportunities to, to work with nonprofits um, through volunteer efforts and board activity. And um, so I knew that's what I really enjoyed doing. Um, and I worked with the Symphony Book Fair, and I worked with Green Project before, and, um, and it was always a fundraiser for WWNO. Right. So I always enjoyed that. So um, I, that's kind of what I was, was aimed for. I have to ask you, you were a. You're trained as a social worker that right. came in from Des Moines, Iowa. That's right. Where did you think about running a business, or where did you learn? Um, yeah, I have a BA in sociology, um, so I have no no business experience or business. Um, I had no acumen. Right. I was stupid enough to not know what I didn't know, <laughs> um, and also stubborn enough to just keep going. 
he's a good characteristic. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if your mother ever tells you you're stubborn, just just ignore her. <laughs> Coffee, at that time, was always a hot beverage, and and before all the, the inception of the um, paper cup, you had to sit down someplace and spend a little bit of time. And that's what coffee's all about. It's a very social product. Well, you were ahead of the curve. I, you know what? I feel like that you, you were just way ahead of, on, that, on that industry. Like, like in the movie The Graduate, you would have whispered <laughs> plastics to somebody. <laughs> it's very, very, very cool. Now, Wes, thanks to Katrina, most New Orleanians are familiar with the headache-inducing stress of building and rebuilding a home or a business. The Palmazano sign is on hundreds of thousands of square feet of construction you're responsible for, and that means hundreds of thousands of headaches uh, that are ultimately all yours. You're dealing with simultaneous multi-million dollar budgets in a business that's affected by everything from the weather to coordinating highly skilled labor. Most of us struggle just to coordinate having someone at home to let the plumber in. Uh, How do you manage a vast construction empire? What does your day-to-day look like? Well, it's definitely interesting. (laughs) The business is something that keeps you engaged, and there's always a new challenge, and that's one of the things I love about it, is the opportunity to engage and and be incorporated in a new challenge every day and, and have something different every time you come to the office. But that process of, of managing construction is really not too much different than what you see in managing your own project at your house. It's like nuts a and bolts. And there, and, uh, well, there, there are things and, of course, pieces that come together that make up the overall project. And it's the same way on big projects. There just happen to be more pieces and parts that have to come together in a simultaneous <laughs> way. <laughs> For lack of a better term, you have got all the sexy projects. I mean, you really have. You've got the Ace Hotel, which is... I don't think I'm cool enough to go into. And then uh, everybody's been waiting for Trader Joe's out in Metairie. And uh, how, do you, how do you take on new projects like that? I mean, this isn't a cookie. Neither of those are cookie-cutter buildings. No, we really embrace challenges and, and always look for something that is the next thing and, and something new in the market. And the relationships we have here in New Orleans have enabled us to get involved in those projects. Everything we do is relationship-driven. So those clients typically come to us early in the process and look for us to find ways to help them deliver a successful project at the end. So we're in a partnership arrangement with the owners and the architects, and we work collaboratively with them from the beginning all the way through turning over the keys at the end. Well, now, uh, I, that, I can really appreciate the partnership part. Does, um, is there a bidding process for all these kind of things? I mean, you obviously got to contain costs in here somewhere. <laughs> Some of the projects that we're involved in do have a bidding process, but really the way that we prefer to deliver projects is to negotiate and and really be in an arrangement with the owner where we're a true partner in the process. We bid most of the subcontract opportunities and some of the other work that's downstream of ours, but the owners realize and recognize that we're going to charge a fair fee for our services. And then the the management that we provide in this high level of watching cost, making sure that we deliver the best value and the the ultimate pro- the product itself that the owners are looking for and that product ultimately they they realize that having someone like us engaged will actually reduce costs in the end and, and then not, does it sort of build on itself Wes is it like uh, they see you did a terrific job that's kind of become a marquee uh, property downtown and then ask who did that and then you get the next one is that definitely our business 90% of what we do is based on referrals and repeat business so the clients are out there talking to other people who are making similar investments in the community 
and those same people are coming to us and looking for us to do the same thing on their project that we've done in the past. Now, everybody I talked to on the show has difficulty with labor, and particularly skilled labor. What have you done to confront that? That's a big issue and something that we look at day to day and find ways or are trying to find ways to improve the situation. But a labor shortage is, is truly a nationwide issue in the construction industry. And for us, we look to find ways to engage people here locally. There are a lot of underprivileged people that are out looking for jobs and, and the relationships that we try to build and the work we do in the community is part of that engagement process and in looking at local neighborhoods, hiring people. A good example of that is the Joan Mitchell project that we did. And there we hired five or six people from the surrounding neighborhood to come and work on the project. Wow. They, and it's funny because, I mean, these are, these are really good paying jobs, but yet there's sort of this disconnect somewhere. That, that is wild. I think there is a perception today that there's a push from I guess society in general, that they really want people to go and get a four-year degree and graduate from college. And unfortunately, that's not necessarily for everyone. And so we preach all the time that there's nothing wrong with being a plumber or an electrician or having a skilled trade that in many cases, those those guys that have, or or in this case, ladies as well, of course, that have (laughs) this skilled trade and, and the ability to do something that is a dying trade, they're very unique, and they're in a position to excel in their profession. And, and Phyllis, what about yourself? You've you built PJs from, from scratch. This, what you learned there, are you using that in marketing uh, the LPO? Absolutely. Um, I think that's one thing I really enjoy doing is bringing business skills to nonprofits. Um, as I said, I had no business uh, education, but I learned to love reading a balance sheet. I loved to read. I loved my my, That's a my income. I know. <laughs> um, the income statement was just I would I would press my CFO for my my income statement. So I've brought that that attention that kind of attention to nonprofits. You know the expression in nonprofits is without the money there is no mission. So we have to always attend to those things. Um, and um, Symphony Book Fair is great because it's one of those, one of those social enterprises. That, Cool. Helps keep um, an institution going, like the LPO. So now, what about uh, now that that's a yearly thing, right? An annual thing around right. the same time of year. We do in the first part of June, and uh, bring about a hundred thousand books and other <laughs> items to now, where, the UNO arena. Where do these books come from? It's the most wonderful thing. Um, it's New Orleanians and people from the area bring in their used books, and this can be anything from the breeder who comes in who always brings in four or five books and has just, just read four or five books and brings them right in. All the way to my mother-in-law died last week, or last month, and I'm cleaning it out. Oh. So it is everything from what's hot in fiction or hot in the, the uh, t- top ten list to things that were in the 1980s, things from the 1920s and earlier. Wow. So it's... It's a real mishmash, but it's fascinating. Oh, I love and going I, to it. I love seeing what New Orleans have hidden away in their libraries. <laughs> <laughs> when you went to the Green Project, I mean, you were a big executive that just sold her company, and you um, you didn't immediately take over the helm. You started with the volunteer group that recycles paint. I like physical work. I like getting in and, make, and doing it myself. So, you know, I could... I could Pour paint like anybody else, you know. 
And one of the great things about Green Project is um, if you're a volunteer, one of the things you get to do is to name the colors of the paint. Oh. Yeah. So, you know. That is powerful. Mysterious purple. Wes, let me ask you, I, I complimented uh, Phyllis because she started the bottom of all these organizations. Now, you, your grandfather started the business, but were you that 12-year-old kid that was working in the business at some point? I actually started at three or four. <laughs> so I, got yeah, it. I was well ahead of that. And what do they have, I mean, aside from some OSHA problems, uh, what, uh, what did they have you doing back then? I grew up on construction sites and had a shovel in my hand doing remedial labor type stuff from when I was a little kid. And so that upbringing really taught me the value of hard work and really what it takes to put a project together. And, and that experience is invaluable to me today. And I've worked all the way through school. Any day I was off school, I worked. So we even when, where, where did you go to school? Uh, grade school, I went through St. Matthew and then Archbishop Brummel here locally. And then LSU for construction management. Wow. Oh, you did go in there. See, I was afraid. Now, you did not major in business, but he majored in the thing well, he was supposed to go to. smart. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, speaking about child labor and owning your own business, it's one of the best things you can do. Mm-hmm. My son started begging coffee when he was about 11. And he'd come in after school and work in the warehouse of PJs and beg coffee or tea. And... It was the best training he ever got. And the people who we worked with didn't put up with his shenanigans. Um, and w- when he would make noises about not going to college, these people told him differently. <laughs> that he, he was going to go to college. Yeah. So this is part of a scared straight program. Absolutely. <laughs> and that is a good story because I had a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the business. I always knew I wanted to do construction. And at the time when I was graduating high school, felt like it was a good idea to just go to work. And that's what I wanted to do. But the family conveniently pushed me to go to college and go get a degree, and then I could always return back to the business after that. And so I went through LSU and was on a mission the entire time I was there. So I skipped the party in and was a very serious student. (laughs) Now it's time to do the checklist. This is a part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. I'm going to start with Phyllis on this. Uh, Phyllis, what's on your uh, end table next to your bed? What are you reading these days? Right now I'm reading um, the memoir um, that started the whole Call the Midwife series on PBS. So it's, it's, a, it's a memoir of a woman who was a midwife in, in the 50s. In what years was this event? In the 50s. Oh. And it's fascinating. Especially the whole idea that there was not... People didn't consider going to a doctor for a pregnancy the norm. Really? As Just, late as then? Yeah. And, you know, she, she did all the things she was supposed to do and, and, and saved lives and, and got to know people really in, in, intimately. Now, Wes... What is unusual about the culture of, of your company? The culture is something that I'm most proud of out of anything that we've built around the company. And that, that culture is really a focus on the community. And we look at the community in a lot of different aspects. One of those being the internal community within our office and that culture inside our office where we have this truly hardworking staff of very talented people that are highly engaged and have fun at what they do, really enjoy work and coming there on a daily basis. We do some things that are a little bit unusual, like have trainers come in and do some workouts and yoga and, and sessions on company time for employees. 
We engage with a, a ton of activities for employees that happen on a regular basis and a schedule of, of fun things to do outside of work. And then externally, we create tremendous partnerships in the community with our clients, our subcontractors, the architects that we work with on a daily basis. We feel like we're the place that, that people want to come work. We, we attract and retain the best employees. They're with us for the long haul. And, and so that portion of our business is something that we're very proud of. We, we only promote from within. We're not hiring people from outside into positions. And then our, the, the remainder of our engagement in the community is giving back to nonprofits and finding way, ways to engage. We just recently made a partnership with a nonprofit called PlayBuild, which is a, a nonprofit in Central City that's focused on after-school programming for KIPP. Wow. And this after-school programming, they focus actually on teaching kids architecture and construction skills starting at a young age. So we built an outdoor classroom on a blighted lot in Central City for them. Now, Phyllis West, let's do a round of one quick question. These are questions that have come in from listeners over the past week. I'm going to ask you one each. I'll start with Phyllis. Um, Here's a question for you from someone calling themselves EJ713. You were early to the trend of moving to New Orleans and becoming an entrepreneur. What one piece of advice would you give this generation of young entrepreneurs? Ooh, good question. Um, There's the standard one of do what you love. Obviously very important. Um, The other is that you don't want to... um, you You don't want to live to work. You want to work to live. So you've got to find those balances between whether it's a family or the community or whatever, you you work passionately and hard, but you don't do that exclusively. Now, that must have been very tough advice for you to take to your own self. When you oh, yeah, started. yeah. Um, I had some help with that, but... Um. <laughs> now, Wes, this one is from Louise Guillory, who asks, do you have any thoughts or inside information on what construction <laughs> projects should be considered to develop New Orleans East and the Lower Ninth Ward. Those are two interesting areas of the city. Of course, New Orleans is booming, and there's a ton of development in all neighborhoods, and I really do see that development pushing out, outside of the boundaries. Right now, you see a lot of activity downtown, but there's really no historic buildings left. There's not a lot of land left. The, the little bit that is left is truly is extremely expensive, and we're getting at a point in in the downtown areas where that expansion has to go elsewhere. So we're, we are starting to see projects along the riverfront moving to Bywater and Marigny and out pushing boundaries with, with this large-scale construction projects outside of the city. So <clears throat> there's certainly an opportunity now for that to continue and first to be more of this metropolitan approach to an overall redevelopment. New Orleans East has, has seen some housing projects which that housing stock is one of the few areas in New Orleans where I think we have an opportunity to create a true workforce housing, which is beneficial to us in the construction industry to have places within the boundaries of Orleans Parish for our workers and, and the people that, that work on our job sites to live. Because the, the city, in some recent things have come out, where the city is now pushing to have local participation on any city contracts. And there are really very few places that those people can live within the boundaries of Orleans Parish. So the New Orleans East area and Ninth Ward are two great areas that the housing stock will improve. And then as that improves, you'll start to see commercial development fill in around it. What, what do you, does it take in a developer? You obviously need a little courage to go out that next, that next band. Uh, the, uh, do you, and, and so you're 
uh, I guess people ask you about that kind of thing. I mean, you're more than just the construction company. They're asking your opinion on things. We try to be. In that partnership approach that we take on every project, we try to provide advice to the clients about whether or not it's a good investment, try to help them analyze their pro forma and the, the financial aspects of the project, helping them look at market studies and, and other outside information that cohesively put together whether or not it's a good deal to pursue. Phyllis Jordan, Wes Palmazano, as you both know from your own businesses, it's good to be able to deliver on expectations. When we started making Out to Lunch, one of our goals was to meet people behind local business landmarks that we see every day but we don't necessarily know much about. We have delivered on that today. Thanks both of you, Wes and Phyllis, for taking the time to join me today on, on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Wes Palmazano, the president of the construction company Palmazano, and Phyllis Jordan, chair of the executive council at WWNO, and Louisiana Philharmonic's volunteer marketing manager and the big boss at the Philharmonic Symphony Book Fair. You can find out more about Wes's many construction projects and Phyllis's many concurrent projects by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our engineer is Chris Kehoe. And our researcher is Matthew Ellefson. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music, including his latest record, Puzzle, is at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.wno.org and itsneworleans.com. If you're curious and you want to know what we look like, you can find photos of this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management, LLC, and 30 North Investments.